1: Hey, good evening everyone and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolak, and you are not. And with me all the way from somewhere in the UK is the gold standard in Ghost Hunting, Stephen S. Potten
0: Possibly Yeah, and join me live from a packed London airport. Awaiting a really? flight to Boston in Mm. jet going over now actually no i can't
1: anyways so you're actually in the airport
0: yep uh myself and the teller of ye curious tales are currently at london heathrow airport ready for our early morning departure hopefully on time because you apparently got really crappy weather in boston
1: or is it delayed?
0: Well, today's was delayed by two and a half hours because of crappy thunderstorms in Boston. Yeah, well, stuff happens. Anyway, well, we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, evidently.
1: So, anyways, um, we Steve is coming over here, of course, for a spirit quest, which is the end of the week. In uh, this, this is um, this year's is in search of based on the nineteen seventies. Series with Leonard Nimoy, and uh, you know, our, my son comes over here just about every week and uh, visits. And when we do, after lunch, we usually throw on an episode of uh, In Search of Two, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny because it's you know it's back in the seventies, so we got bell bottoms going and and beetle cuts and all kinds of cool stuff. But uh, I had a laugh at this one. We. we It was uh, the coming of the new ice age, uh, which, according to 1970 scientists, has started already. Uh, But luckily for the world, uh, we have uh, mucked it all up with uh, thermal warming, and we have combated the ice age, so we're in good shape now.
0: Do you know what's interesting is I am. Um, there's quite a few climate scientists who are now coming back to the old idea of we might be entering an ice age.
1: I mean that to me would make sense. It really would, and and you know the Earth always repairs itself, replenishes itself, and does what it has to do. Uh, the interesting thing about the ice age, and you know, I, as I said, we were watching this show, and they mentioned. Uh, The last ice age, and and that was brought about by a series, they believe, a series of volcanic eruptions. And have we not had a series of volcanic eruptions?
0: Well... You know, I've, I've been studying, because climate change is very, very big in the news, um, both sides. Um, and there is supposed to be a consensus of all of the world's leading scientists. Yeah, right. But in actual fact, there's quite a, yeah, there's a lot of them who are coming out and saying, our work that contradicts this idea is not being published, not being recognized. And we don't see the same evidence for CO2 causing global warming but rather that co2 it follows uh, rather than leads climate change right. and that they say that there are other factors that aren't being considered in this uh, geopolitical uh, move towards climate change right and quite a lot of them actually say that the ideas that were being bandied about in the 70s and 80s that were on the cusp of and the world is overdue and ice age is much more accurate
1: yeah, I mean, the last one was 18,000 years ago, so we're due any minute now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> like, like Jellystone, um, you know, as is, is, uh, you see every week, um, the big one, the super volcano under Jellystone is going to blow up, and Yogi and Boobo are going to be homeless, and the whole of America is going to be wiped out. That's if um, uh, the islands in the Atlantic don't, Don't slump and cause a massive tidal wave that wipes out the East Coast. And yeah, yeah. yeah, You know,
1: I'm looking forward to that because I'll have beachfront property then. So,
0: well, you know, television thrives on these disaster doom scenarios that we, you know, California and Oregon, Washington, Alaska should all prepare for the big one. And FEMA, uh, you know, have got these. And the East Coast is going to get wiped out when I think I can't remember the name of the islands now. Um, Madeira and Funchal and all the islands in the uh, middle of the Atlantic. When they a big chunk of one side of them falls off into the slumps off into the ocean and wipes out the east coast and Jellystone Sto- erupts a supervolcano. In fact, there was a whole series of television drama documentaries based on the supervolcano under Yellowstone.
1: Yeah, but not even the supervolcano. We've we've had a a, a serious. Amount of uh, volcanic activity: Hawaii, and uh, Peru, and uh, Iceland, and um, and and Yellowstone. Is she got me saying that now? Yellowstone <laughs> National Park, and and uh, Mexico, and I mean, there's there's been a lot of them, and I believe there was one in the Mediterranean. I'm not sure in on that one though. I th- I think that might have been, but. Um, Yeah, there's a series of them. And in fact, I had just seen a a, a report about uh, their feeling that the volcano in Iceland could blow again and and will impact uh, air travel, which it happened last time. Right, Steve?
0: It did. It gave rise. I've got a collection of photographs, a couple of hundred photographs from um, when the, the unpronounceable Icelandic volcano blew its top. And filled the sky with dust. And in fact, what actually happened was um, the global temperature dropped by an average of two or three, two or three degrees afterwards. In fact, there was also a drop in temperature after nine eleven because of the lack of aircraft, um, so pumping the vapor trails into the atmosphere. Yeah, but um, we all know
1: that planes don't fly. You know, they can't fly. It's, it's
0: impossible. In, uh, act- oh yeah, enslaved by no media down in Walton, Massachusetts. If you're listening to it, they do, and they use. Aviation fuel, not wow. levitation devices yep. in the wings.
1: So that's why you're coming over here so to test this theory out that planes don't
0: fly, right? We are, yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Good point.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I, I'm actually joined tonight by um, the Ye Teller of Curious Tales. Oh, he's with you. He is. I'm right here, Ron. Good evening. Good evening.
2: How
1: are you? Good. So you're actually travel with them? That must be kind of scary.
2: It is very scary. Do you know what uh, you, you mentioned won't be going into the VIP If you keep this up, you mentioned earlier about going back to the seventies and all the clothing you were we- you know, wearing and stuff like that. I haven't got these flares on all the time. That's the contents you described of Steve's suitcase. <laughs> it, it was funny. I was
1: uh, I was. Uh, um rented him, you well, both of you, the, the place down on the beach, and, and the uh, person who I rented it from said, well, there's a washer and a dryer. I said, ah, Steve don't need it because he brings his clothes over here and he just throws them away.
0: <laughs> it's a very British thing to do. Um, hey, um, quick question. Do we have Wi-Fi? Of course. Ah. Oh, everything is solved. There we are, then. That's all we need to worry about. But, yeah, seriously, we're... Uh, myself and and Kat, who's also um, in the departure lounge with us. Hi, Kat.
3: Hello.
0: Oh, Uh, hi, Kat.
3: Hello.
0: It's Kat and I are celebrating 10 years married. um, To each other? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. And happily. (coughs) She is there, isn't she? Mostly happily. (laughs) Um, And so we came down to London on Sunday, um, and we've been being tourists for a Mm -hmm. couple of days and because uh because our flight tomorrow is much earlier than the usual evening flight then it's necessary for us to actually be at the airport it's stupidly early o'clock in the morning so we have to be in position tonight for the early check-ins really wow
1: that's pretty sad and you wonder why i don't go over there Hmm.
0: well do you know what i after after being a tourist for the last three days um, and traveling on the, the London Underground and going to the tourist sites and doing tourist things, I wouldn't recommend it to my worst enemy. It's, <laughs> so so that's why Dylan's, horrible, Dylan's going, right? <laughs> it is a horrible, horrible experience being a tourist in London. Hmm. And, and I, I really couldn't say to anybody, come to the sites are great. You've got fantastic history, you've got fantastic monuments, you've got fantastic sites, you've got museums that, you know, to die for. And we've been to a couple of them. But Britain is just a rip off, nasty, overpriced place with very bad transport infrastructure and a group of people who are just hell bent on squeezing every last penny cent that they can out of people.
1: So, why don't you say what you really feel? Yeah. But apart from that, um, but, you know, I'm really surprised that London is still there because ever since I was a child and I watched any of the monster movies, London was always destroyed. (laughs) Every science fiction, every
0: movie, London always gets destroyed. You know, that was the first thing that that struck me when I got to New York five years ago, uh, that it was actually still there. Because I've seen it wiped out in so many sci-fi movies. One thing I did see today: we went to the British Museum today, and um, in the corner of one of the exhibits was, do you know the crystal skull that opens the Arthur C. Clarke programs, the Mysterious yes. World programs? Yes. That, yes. The 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 Tiffany skull. That's there in the British Museum. Yeah. And um, I, that I did know. Um, it's a
1: fake. Uh, the, uh, that's that's not exactly right. Well, I'll have to correct well, you on that. It is it, not it, a fake.
0: It is a real rock crystal carving skull. Yes. But it only dates to the 19th century because uh, a few, a couple of years ago and the the exhibit shows it. Mm-hmm. They they put the skull under a scanning electron microscope. Absolutely. And and it has wheel tool marks, which didn't, which the Aztecs um, didn't have. So and, you say?
1: Uh, well. According to ancient alien, uh, ancient astronaut theorists, they would have the tools to do the you
0: ancient stuff. Actually, what's really interesting that you say that, if you go into the Egyptian section of the British Museum, there are granite sarcophagi that have got drill holes in them and saw marks, and they can't be anything else. There is, if you show them to an engineer or you look at them under, uh, archaeologists have just said that they were using, you know, st- sticks dipped in sand. And right. these are perfectly cut drill marks and mm-hmm. circular saw cut marks. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it might be quite possible that, that a, the wheel cutting tool was used on the skull and that's the whole basis of saying it's fake it right because they like, actually
1: did some previous dating on it and they they on the on the bench on the uh, hedges skull and uh they could not uh, give you a date on it because the uh it was cut so smoothly and so forth and blah 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 blah, blah. but uh yeah the the um that skull is still around as well as two skulls that were donated to the Smithsonian uh, they are at the smithsonian uh and uh there's another one too they there's, there's, it's a, it's an interesting i have i have a d v d that i actually purchased on this and uh it's an intriguing story and it it's one of those things that you know you, you say oh yeah see it's a fake
0: and then but it always you always have that little bit of doubt in the back of your mind well i think the establishment you know the the um curators and the establishment of the British Museum the are, going to, are going to be highly unlikely to come out with a we can't explain explanation right. or statement relating right. to it and, and if they do um, these electron microscope things that reveal these marks then for them that is um, science sealed, delivered it must be 18th, 19th century not that withstanding, having seen one up close, and I mean up close in its in its display case. Yeah, it is an incredible. Whoever made it, whenever it was made, it is an incredible. It's bigger than life size. Just it's about one third bigger than than life size,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and it is an immaculate piece of of craft and skill in carving it because. You know, this is rock crystal. It is incredibly hard. It's an 8 8.5 on the Mohs hardness scale. It's harder than glass. And mm-hmm. when you see the, the perfection of the carving and the skill, it was, uh, it, it's, it's just an incredible piece of work.
1: And You know, it's interesting. I did have the opportunity to actually touch one of them. Uh, and this was, well, it, to, for those who don't know, there's supposedly 13 ancient skulls. And then when the the end of the world comes or when the the earth is in crisis, they all come together and they all reveal um what do you call it uh, knowledge that will save us yada yada yadi but anyways, so there are many that are manufactured now you can get a lot of crystal skulls everywhere and this this one here Pancho, was was his name, and he was uh supposedly one of the ancient ones and uh interesting story about him though is. He had a the guy that owned him, but they didn't really own, own him. They call themselves caretakers, but anyways, the guy that uh, was the caretaker of him uh, was in New York City and uh, was going to an exhibit or something. And he took a cab, and he got out of the cab, and he forgot old Poncho in the cab, and he
0: disappeared. Wow, that's that's something that you would have to work very hard to forget. I know I know it's like forgetting your kids in the car
1: no matter how hard you try you just get
0: Well prime ministers did that. I think David Cameron lost one of his you forgot one of his children and left, left him in the pub, pub car park. Yeah. But, you know, I mean for me that was one of the highlights of many I um because it was the one that featured on the opening title and the book cover of Arthur C Clarke's Mysterious right. World book. Um, yeah. it was for me it was the most famous of the Crystal Skulls um i'm well,
1: uh, to me I, i'll have to take that back to me it's the hedges skull i mean because that's still in private hands still by the the daughter of uh the supposedly the founder the finder of it and uh i know i did an interview with uh, chris martin before who who uh did this whole uh documentary on on the crystal skull the hedges skull and um and it, it was intriguing. In fact, it was on Ghost Chronicles International when we did it, and and uh, he was in France at the time, and we did contact him. But it's intriguing stuff. It really is, and and they are certainly gorgeous.
0: If you, oh yeah, uh, I mean to actually see the craftsmanship and the skill, you know, it doesn't take away whether it was nineteenth century or whether it is you know made by the Aztecs Incas in the fourteen hundreds. It's an incredible piece of of work. Uh, yes, so. it is.
1: Yeah. And speaking of the poncho one, of course, uh, what he would do, he would uh, take the the uh, skull and soak it in uh, distilled water or spring water. I forget what exactly what it is. And it uh, would soak there for like, you know, several days. And then he would take it out. And then, of course, being the Antipuri, anta whatever the hell he is, the businessman he is, he would... Uh, uh, bottle this water and sell it. And I actually have a bottle of this poncho water. There you go. So I mean, the ing- ingenious person that I am is that I uh, was given one of those uh, miniature, which we have, by the way, miniature crystal skulls that had the vodka yeah, in it.
0: Yeah. And
1: now I have a poncho the poncho water, the poncho water in the crystal skull. So I have reunited the crystal skull with the, its energy.
0: There we go. Except the your crystal vodka bottle is glass. Yeah. Debbie Downer. Small thing. Debbie Downer. You're talking about craftsmanship. We looked at other things that dealt, date back to uh, pre-Roman, so 2,500 years, European, British, um, the Celts, and the craftsmanship of the gold and silver work and the, the ornamentation. That, that they could do, we think of these people as savages, and they're just not they're, they're, they were so incredibly fine craftsmen and so skilled in what they do. I think we did I think we're disingenuous to ourselves when we say oh we, we couldn't do it we needed aliens to help us exactly I think you know I think you're being disingenuous to the human race.
1: I, I absolutely you, think we're, when we're, you
0: turn to the alien thing, we're not we're not stupid. You know, we're not stupid monkeys. We built the pyramids. We built these great monuments. We we did these fine arts and crafts and crystal skulls and gold amulets and. Stuff. And you know what's
1: interesting too is is on that same note is, is you know they say yo we couldn't possibly do that but don't underestimate human engineering I mean you look at Masala Masada in uh, you know the, the the fortress on the cliff and the Romans actually you know brought it down that that was impregnable yeah, they, they built a gigantic ramp absolutely so it shows you the engineering uh, possibilities
0: yeah I I, I I guess we, you know, we're saying don't don't always go for the paranormal explanation, um, but right. sometimes you have to go for. I think with a lot of people, particularly the conspiracy theorists, they assume that we are, you know, one step up from the chimpanzee. Right. That we can't do the. We can't make stone blocks nicely squared off and then put them one atop the other, and do fine um, engineering, and fine crafts. Right. You know? But we've been able to do that for a lot of thousands of years. And I think maybe the modern era are maybe not quite as capable because we tend to, we don't do things. I mean, the simple things we like letters and uh, writing, photography, we, we, we tend to, I was watching people today and as people went round, there was no skill in the photography. people were just blindly pointing smartphones at, on selfie sticks and everything. Mm. and the world was reduced this tourist experience for many people was reduced just to a snapshot of yourself in front of something right. um, taken with a a device at the end of a stick and then a quick glance and then onto the next thing. And just was, the was, yeah just the the trophy hunting. Yeah,
1: just the other day, Steve, I I, I heard of, about a camp that you can send your children to to learn cursor in cursor writing and cursor reading because the children in school nowadays can't understand cursor writing.
0: No, I, they're not teaching it. No, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Um, I was looking. I, I, I one example I was using quite recently. Um, I was looking through a. high school um, book of physics, a modern one from a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. And the questions in it are so dumb uh, compared to one from
1: 1918.
0: Oh, yeah. And you think, well, you know, the kids of that same age, a hundred years ago, had to know a much higher level of... They were educated to a much higher level than the modern generations mm-hmm. and we think of ourselves as the most advanced of the civilizations but we we've offset so much of it too i mean dylan alongside me and cat behind me are both like you go into any restaurant bar tube train today in london um and there, we are glued to these handheld devices and ignoring and it's the same in in, in, in ghost investigation and paranormal investigation People don't look at the environment any longer. They don't measure the temperature. They don't just sit and observe, and and experience the phenomena and absorb the ambiance and find out for themselves what the creaks and squeaks are. They're glued to K two meters. They're tied to de- devices and apps that so the dead can talk to them, and so they can measure. magical emissions from from spectral energies we we've dumbed it down to a a level that i'm not really comfortable with yeah i agree with you steve i sound old now
1: and and you know it's it's interesting it it all goes back to uh you know the mediums is in and we look at like you know the Ouija board and and some of these other divining devices that they did, they all were invented to circumvent the medium, and uh, that's kind of what we're doing nowadays. And in, in, granted, there are tons of mediums. Don't get me wrong, but when we go on these house, those ghost hunts and we have boxes that talk and light up and thing. What we're trying to do. Is circumvent the medium once again by replacing them with tech or replacing them with a apparatus
0: to a large degree we're actually re- we're actually circumventing the the human experience entirely because we're ignoring That's true. yeah you hit it ignoring right on the- our own senses in, and relying on the boxes yeah you hit it you hit it right on the button and I you know this coming Halloween I'm doing an event which I've done several years ago called the great naked ghost Hunt or the naked ghost i remember that yeah and it's naked of equipment i mean people will have a torch um but mobile devices electronic devices and it's to get people just to be in that environment and experience the environment using you know not not psychic senses but just to be there just to sit quietly and to listen and to absorb the environment and to feel what you know what because in our own homes we we readily know what's normal and what's abnormal we know whether the the creek is um, from the hot water system or whether it's from a neighbor or whether it's the cat coming in or whether the neighbors have pulled up on their driveway or a truck goes past but when we go into a, a strange environment a strange location we're faced with this barrage of unusual sights and sounds and there's an immediate assumption that a they're all paranormal, and b that the you know we we've got this reliance on well my ghost app will tell me that there's a spirit there, mm-hmm. and that the dead will talk to me, and I will believe that more than my own senses.
1: Let, let me ask you this, Steve: Do you believe? I mean, I, I look at the ghost hunting community, and to me, there seems to be far more. Uh, skeptics, if that's the word you want to use, in the male population, and then in the female. female population seems to be much more willing to believe, whereas the male population, no matter what happens, is is more tend to not believe. Uh, and oh, that's a generalization. Don't get me wrong. There are, there are certainly... Uh, exceptions all over But on the whole, I think if you took the Actual figures, which I don't have So this is just conjecture uh, That I believe that Women are more open to Spirituality and to ghosts Than, than men, and men are much More ready to, you know Deny it uh, Do you find I, I that,
0: or, is, or am I crazy? That, well, no, you're not crazy But I think that's not down to a difference Between sexes, other than that males Are, uh, it's machismo it's the fact that it doesn't matter how scared the man is, he's not supposed to be scared. True. Uh, where, whereas women are much more comfortable about sharing their feelings. And so the men might never admit to being frightened, uh, no matter what the reality of the situation is. In terms of numbers, um, yes, I, th- I think when you go to any event, the women are th- probably outnumber the men, and any men there are probably dragged along Right, um, as, as the supporting cast we so unfortunately
1: at. I'm going to have to drag into a break because we have to take a break now so uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Net and Pararex Radio and I want to hi- give a shout out to CC and Pararex and also with uh, joining us today somewhere in the background is Mrs. Parson and uh, the teller of curious tales so we'll be right back after the following messages
2: Welcome to Net, radio with a cutting edge. Hi,
0: Steve Parsons here looking for sea monsters in Temby, West Wales. And I'll be over in New England looking for your sea monsters this coming fall. Join me, Ron Kolek, and a host of others at SpiritQuest 2018. We'll see you there.
2: The
1: Parrax family. The shows are paranormal. Not stuffy, but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parrax family.
0: They're strange. Deranged.
2: Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family.
0: Welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International. I'm not in Tempe. I'm not looking for sea monsters. I'm actually tonight, in fact, at London Heathrow Airport waiting to come to New England to look for your sea monsters. This is Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet with New England's own Van Helsing. Me, the gold standard and ye teller of curious tales who's sitting with a very large alcoholic drink alongside me. You, Sounds good. It? Anyways, yeah, uh, is course, the airport right next mine. to the Thames? Sorry, no, no, no. The River Thames is uh, nowhere near us. We're fifteen he throws fifteen miles to the west of the city. Although you can actually see it. You
1: oh, just, that's like, good. So the sea can't get you there.
0: No, but uh, interestingly, um, all, all over the news today here in the UK and probably in America if you switch it on, a beluga whale has swum up the River Thames today. A white beluga whale sure that wasn't Trump? No, it was a white, but this video footage of You'll see it on your evening news in a little while. Oh, um, a white okay. beluga whale has got itself into the River Thames, and they're hoping at the high tide tonight that it will
1: get out again. So we'll get a, a teller of the curious tales, speaking of that, coming up. But before we do, we have a question from uh, CC in the uh, Parex chat room. She says, uh, does that mean men would be more frightened since they really don't think it's real? Uh, confronting uh, confronting that would be interesting. What,
0: what do you think? Actually, um, I've I, I've spoken about this uh, in the past because when you when you see very you know these bodybuilder type these um, um, a, a, what do you call it? type A male personalities, um, sort of macho alpha males. That's the one uh, when they're confronted by. Um, phenomena that they can't explain. They tend to appear to be more frightened and more scared. And I think it's kind of because they're used to dealing with threats in a physical way. If somebody attacks them or threatens them, they, they can you know use physical force and beat their opponent. But when they're dealing with something that they can't see or touch or perceive, but is equally threatening, like a g- 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 ghost, it, it becomes more threatening because it's outside of the sort of met usual parameters for threat um, uh, evasion or threat um, countermeasures by you know mm-hmm. by physical means. See, I would absolutely agree that in some circumstances, particularly the more alpha the male, the more likely they are to become th- uh, frightened by a an unusual experience. And that's, that's something that I've observed on more than, you know, several occasions.
1: Okay. And uh, we have another question from the chat room. we might as well take care of that as well. This is from uh, John Togi in the chat room. And he says, uh, can you ask Steve, what kind of seed monster or any monster does he like to find? In other words, from your commercial, evidently, your, your promo. Uh, what kind of monsters do you go searching for?
0: Well, I've I've spent quite um quite a considerable amount of time on the shores of Loch Ness, um, looking for the Loch Ness monster. I come from a part of uh, the uh, the world where there are a lot of reported sea monsters um, off the British coast, the British uh, west coast. And um, I live in hope. I live in hope of one day having a sighting of mine. And of course, coming over to your side, you've got the very famous Gloucester and Cape Ann. Mm -hmm. Um, sightings that took place in the 19th century which were witnessed by hundreds and hundreds of people over an extended period of time. Absolutely. So uh, I live in you know, I have high hopes and high expectations of one day being able to you know, we had a beluga whale in the Thames today so unusual weird stuff does take place. Now 150, you know, 50, 100 years ago 150 years ago, if this big white whale because the beluga is white, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, was seen by somebody. Obi-Dek. Yeah, I mean, what would 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 they have immediately known it was a beluga? Well, what, you know, if the, if the sighting was of a very short duration, what would they? You know, would it have entered sea monster law?
1: Right. So I, I got to ask before we get into the teller of curious tales: Is has either Cat uh, or uh, Dylan gone accompanied you on any of these expeditions?
0: Not to Loch Ness, no. Although Dylan and I were talking about something to Scotland and Loch Ness, um, possibly for 2019, mm-hmm. uh, because there's, there's quite a... F- Loch Ness up on the north-east um, corner of Scotland is very closely associated with several very notable and haunted sites, such as Cawdor Castle and the Battle of Culloden Moor, which took place in 1745. Um, and is described as the the British version of Gettysburg when it comes to ghosts and hauntings right. and of course dylan 's dylan 's alter ego um, is the great British ghost tour right or the great american New England ghost tour as it 's going to about to become yeah right. pretty much yeah pretty much he's he 's got a list as um, as long as um the grocery list for Spirit quest and places he wants to see and go and do mm-hmm so anyways, but he's here. you can speak
1: to him.: So Dylan, uh, would you like to introduce this new teller of curious tales for us?:
2: in your teller of curious tales voice Oh especially I'll well, tell you what Ron, if I walk out the room, the teller will come back in. How's that If I walk out the room because the teller and I I was waiting
0: room, for it, what he's lost me as well. Just introduce the bloody thing. Okay, so without further ado, here's the teller of Curious (laughs) Tales. You blew your big chance, then. You're too clever. Let's
2: play. There's always a a lead in. Amy? Teller? (laughs) Introduce it. Tonight on Ghost Chronicles (laughs) International, a new teller of Curious Tales. For your pleasure.
0: Hopefully. And some typing sounds.
1: It's not
2: playing.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, well. so... That was rubbish. Gremlins. <laughs> but we do have a live teller of Curious Cells this coming Friday night at Spirit Quest. Okay. <laughs> um, with a cast of several, and several of whom don't know they're in it yet. <laughs>
1: really?
2: yeah
1: well I'm looking well, forward to it and uh, Dylan this will be the first time I've, I've met you in person so uh, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to meeting you as well And you didn't say that when I came over
2: <laughs> Who? I'm looking forward to it as well Ron really looking forward to it
1: right and, and there are several people over here on this side of the pond that would, would like to meet the Teller of Curious Tales as well so uh, oh, i right. forward to that but anyways, uh, going back since I'm not sure that we're going to get to be able to play that. So, unfortunately, another time.
0: It was a good uh, one as well because you put sound effects in, have not you? Yeah. It's got had sound effects and everything. Really? Sound effects? Uh, he sent me a message. The Tower of Hell sent me a message when he forwarded it to me saying, you'll like this one. I've got the genuine sound effects. Really? Yeah. Is that
1: like a stomach grumbling?
0: Probably. <laughs> I don't know. He's here asking. You're asking the wrong person. We have the teller of curious tales alongside. Well, why you, isn't he answer?
2: I don't know. Ask him. I have. Why so, somebody me? keeps interrupting, getting Ooh. in the way. The actual sound effects, uh, it, well, you, you need to listen to the story and where it takes place. Um, we can't, can we? I know this is the trouble, but the actual sound effects of what the story is about are from a recording of the actual events themselves. Oh,
1: so this is a big tease for the next time that uh, we play. Yes. If, if we yeah, ever do. <laughs> so the the British uh, Ghost Tour is is a terrific website. If you haven't uh, go on there, go check it out. Uh, the great is it great, right? Great British Ghost Tour. Yep,
2: yeah, GreatBritishGhostTour.co.uk.
1: Right. So I, I mean, are you going to go to the, the have it the great? Uh, American ghost tour is is that what's next
2: that may well be what's coming next Ron Deer, Deerfield, um, you there's a, a list of places I've got uh, I want to see obviously Salem is going to be on the list um, Plymouth is on there a um, uh, place called Deerfield I'm Deerfield of taking, taking a trip down to see uh, Lizzie Borden's bed and breakfast that's a, that's a long trip
1: I want you to know of all those places are very very long From where you were.
0: I had to put him right over the Hooton Mansion and told him... Those will be overnight stays. Let's put it that way. Um, I did explain to him the Hooton Mansion is off limits and USS Salem is sunk. (laughs) No, it's not sunk. (laughs) I thought it was covered in zombies when we last saw it. Yeah, well, well, that's true, too. But anyway, all right, so... uh, And I also explained to him that, unfortunately, Portsmouth Harbour and Fort Constitution are off-limits because somebody did the ghost hunt on the 8th of September. Not us. Well, you did the visit instead of doing the ghost hunt. The No, we do the tours every year.
1: But anyways, uh, so, Dylan, why did you pick these places? Like, for instance, why, why are you fascinated with the Lizzie Borden
2: House? It's because it's one of those iconic uh, murder mysteries from a criminal aspect, um, but also because of the the fact that it, it, it's received media attention as well. It features in um, in print, in TV programmes, at the programme Supernatural, even made uh, an episode all about it. So it's one of those things that um, is known outside of America as well. So mm-hmm. I think that, that sort of piqued my interest. Um, yeah, I mean, it's
1: it's even in our first book, Ghost Chronicles.
2: Yeah, exactly. I have it in a
0: bottle.
1: Yes, you do. Moving along, so so that's why you're interested in going. What about uh, Salem? Why Salem?
2: Again, when I was in uh, when I was oh, about fourteen, fifteen years old, uh, when I was uh, in school, we read The Crucible by Arthur Miller. Um, which obviously it's about the Salem witch trials, uh, and that from that from that moment it really just caught my attention. It's always been one of those places that I wanted to visit, and um, when I started reading about the sort of accounts of uh, ghosts and the hauntings, it was a that was a place that w- that was really on the must-see list. Okay,
1: and then let's move out a little file the Western Mass Deerfield
2: yeah that apparently is um the site of uh, an Indian massacre in uh, the seventeen hundreds um, where the village was raided uh at dawn morning and the survivors were marched north to Canada uh, and as a result of that there's quite a few haunted sites uh around the uh, the town
1: yeah there's some good stories about that and... uh uh this actually is a lot of great stories that we have in new england uh of course at spirit quest jeff belange will be there who uh you know has written a lot of books about new england but also produces uh a podcast called um uh, legend tripping and it deals with uh different places in new england and different stories and and that are very intriguing and uh so uh, he'll be there at Spirit Quest as well, and he's also doing a presentation. So as well as you, Dylan, you'll be doing uh, In Search of uh, England's Most Haunted Castles? Yeah,
2: the 10 Most Haunted Castles in Britain. So and once again, let's move out a little bit. And
1: then you mentioned Plymouth, okay? Because these are all places that, that's funny, I would not be uh, interested in seeing. Uh, but why Plymouth?
2: Well, firstly, because the history—I've uh, always been uh, fascinated by uh, by history—but also there's some interesting cases that have come up there uh, that I've been reading about, and it, it just seems like a fascinating place to wander around.
1: Okay, you—you uh, you talking about the actual recreated village of Plymouth?
2: Yeah, um, there's a couple of uh, places I know that uh, Anne Kerrigan uh, she wants to show me the sort of the cemeteries and that kind of thing. So, you know, it's. Um, I think it's got some good places to get some, uh, some filming done as well. Yeah,
1: excellent. And, you know, of course, if you, you don't even have to go that far because up here on the, on the uh, New Hampshire coast and the main coast, we have places uh, like the old jail and, uh, and uh, what the heck is that in Portsmouth. And uh, yep. there's some villages there as well. There, there are many, many uh, locations that are a heck of a closer for you that, that have that same thing. Uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire is just loaded with ghost stories, and of course, Roxy Zwicker, is, will uh, can tell. She's written, I don't know, several books on on Portsmouth, and uh, it's a it's a great town. And
0: uh, I think what's necessary here, and what's what's coming across, is that I think um, when we get there over the weekend, maybe or once the weekend of Spirit Quest is done, I think that Dylan needs to sit down with you after talking to Jeff and Roxy and maybe redefine his list a little, make it more um, focused. Travel friendly? And travel friendly, because I was trying to explain to him, um, you know, he was saying to some of the places, uh, like uh, the Hoot Mansion, I was saying, you're not going to get there and back in a day.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, it's it, it would be a, for me, from where to- I live, it was a two-and-a-half-hour trip out there. And uh, unfortunately, the Houghton Mansion is now privately owned and and no longer available for anyone to uh, go into. Uh, There are so many, so many places that we have here in New England that are, uh, you know, extremely haunted. And uh, That
0: cool place in York was good as well. Yeah, York.
1: That's the one I was thinking about, Steve. Thank you so much, York Village and the uh, York Jail and. That's all cool. And uh, there's a lot of uh, we have one of the oldest cemeteries in in the Point of Graves up in Portsmouth, which is intriguing as well. And so there are so many, so many cool places. Of course, the lighthouse and uh, unfortunately, you don't
2: rub it in, rub it in,
1: rub it in. Unfortunately, you don't like lighthouses, Dylan, or otherwise I would show you that.
2: I do. That was on my list. Oh, it was!
0: It was, yes. Yeah, you know, it's been on my list every year, and you keep telling me, and you keep doing it two two weeks before I get there with a couple of exceptions. Yeah, uh, so, you know, you one know, of my favorite. Maybe that's something we could
1: screen. add to the list. Uh, but, anyways, uh, yeah, the Portsmouth lighthouse, of course, is we've investigated umpteen times, and uh, it is actually uh, in our new book, World Ghost Chronicles. So there's a, a chapter on that. Do you know
0: I find the the stories of Fort Constitution fascinating, and I think it's a location that's you know it's an a star location um that that's intrigued me since I first visited and first came across the stories of it, particularly mm-hmm. those that are very fun. and uh, my own experiences there, uh, you know that that night we were there with the Coast Guard radio operator and your own experiences at, at um, inside Fort Constitution and the lighthouse. Um, yeah, we've had many, many experiences yeah. because we Any do the ghost. get back to Fort Constitution. I we
1: do think. the ghost tours there, of course, and and uh, the, many times during the ghost tour, there there have been uh, ex- personal experiences, not just for me, but p- people in the group and uh, Jeremy and, and other people involved as well.
0: Yeah, so I think that's one that's always on my list, and read So is the like the old man's um about uh, Concord. I yeah, that's, that's I...
1: another intriguing place, uh, the old Manson Concord, the Concord colonial land that is, an, is another yep.
0: historic site with well, tales of hunting. I think
2: that is on Dylan's that's list, on the on list. And the cemetery at Concord as well?
0: Concord. Concord? Concord. 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 Yeah. Concord. Concord. <laughs> Concord. Not Concord, that's Concord. The British way. Concord.
2: Right. Oh, Concord. Oh, yes. Concord. Oh,
0: but there's some really cool graves. I mean, you've got the two British soldiers down at Northbridge, but mm. you go into Concord itself, and basically opposite the old colonial, on the side of the kerb is another British grave, mm. uh, which I she paid homage to. Was it last year? Pete's yeah. May. Well, we went to see Tom, and uh, we 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 came out the colonial, crossed over the road down on the kerb side. Opposite is another British grave.
1: And, and on the, uh, the uh, hill, high on the hill, is another uh, graveyard behind the church. And uh, there's a stone there that has been carved out. And supposedly when you take pictures uh the eyeballs appear in the pictures and, and not where well, you look at it uh, so that, that's and that, it, it actually happened to me I, I I' wonder what I did with that film. that was intriguing I tried that and, and it looks like there are eyeballs in it and yet there are none
0: I'll tell you, I was looking at the spirit quest uh, the so any ghost project uh, newsletter for a September October, and there's a really intriguing photograph taken and Vz. Yeah, there is. And there's a lot of people that uh, saw a yeah. lot of that photo. And, of course, that's the that's where Spirit Quest is. That's where In Search of Fear is on Saturday night, where people will be able to explore VZ, which in itself has got – well, I mean, you are the man. You, your office is there. You are on the spot. Um, so better you than I tell the story of VZ. Yeah, there, there's a lot of
1: uh, activity there. And, in Friday, and Saturday night's Ghost Hunt will be – you know, we're going to be pushing a little, we're going to make you uncomfortable, because there's a theory that it's that which causes ghosts to appear, and so, uh, you know, I, I'm intrigued uh, by what's going to happen, because like I said, we, we've got a couple of experiments that we're going to be doing, and uh, see what happens. Uh, so uh,
0: And of course, last year, when it was all over and all done and dusted, the place was a empty apart from a few tidy uppers where we knew where everybody was. Somebody took that really intriguing photograph, which, well, go on to the any um, letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com website. Check out the new, the Spirit Quest newsletter, the... It's process. also,
1: it's also on our, uh, uh, on my uh, um, Facebook page and the international, Ghost Chronicles International Facebook page. There you go. Page, so. Check
0: out the photograph yourself and put your comments. What you think it might be, because um, I'm not going to say anything more than that as to my thoughts. Has Dylan seen it? Um, no, no, I don't think he has. Um, but we haven't. You know, have a look for yourselves. You decide. Yeah,
1: that's what we want. We want your opinions. It's not about us. It's about what you find. See, that's the problem. Uh, unfortunately, with a lot of ghost hunting groups, is they come up with stuff and they they tell you what it's supposed to be. Not us. We want to know what you think, what you feel it is. Uh, it's It's not about us. It's about you, the person that is experiencing it.
0: Well, I'll tell you who's been very quiet throughout this evening. we are going to try and drag her over. Catherine? Yeah. Darling? Yes. Do you want to come and say hi? No. <laughs> because you have an opinion on these things as well, don't you? Why, because yeah, yeah. Catherine, Catherine, you know, quietly in the background doing her university... Um, work is is also a very experienced hunter of ghosts and things paranormal although very much in the background it, she's Literally. she's um hiding her light under a bushel ah. she's she's been around the block a few times oh, <laughs> in the paranormal sense wow and 10 um, years won't last more than that <laughs> But uh, <clears throat> what's your take on all this paranormal? You have to come with i be honest
3: say, I was listening to my lecture.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> She's busy doing a university uh, degree course in the background. So, so well, bring, bring her up closer. I can't, I can't hear her at all. Totally over a bit. You can't be heard. Now, don't be shy. Come oh, closer. Come can... closer, my dear.
3: Hello, we're getting intimate
0: here. You've been round the block, Ghost, ghosty wise. You've had an encounter with an entire Roman legion.
3: Oh, I bloody have You
0: were there when it took place, but but nothing...
3: Oh, the legion of light.
0: Yeah, hang on, I'll move the the microphone.
3: The man was mad. What is this? I was on a ghost hunt with a not very (coughs) reputable ghost hunting group where a medium was very much someone who wanted to be the centre of attention and demanded that we all stand around him because he was a member of the Legion of Light and was there to bring forth protection for all of us.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. He yes. an and
3: he had an entire Roman Legion of Light standing behind him at the time. It was very crowded in there.
1: Well, that's, you know, a
3: small room. Yeah.
1: So I guess you didn't see the Roman Legion of Light?
3: I saw I saw a very crazy man standing in the middle of the room wanting attention, but I didn't <laughs> see any ghosts. No.
0: How did you get into ghost investigating? Um. Maybe, let's let's put you in context.
3: I watched the X Files, but that was just an interest. Um, I started looking for ghosts after my son my. Brother's youngest son passed away under tragic circumstances when he was 13 months old. And even as an adult, I was still petrified of the dark. So to raise money for charity, my mum was watching Most Haunted and thought it would be very interesting for me to raise money by being locked in a scary building in the dark and see if people would sponsor me. And off the back of that, I ended up meeting Steve, And I started going out with ghost hunting groups because I thought, well, I need to see what it's about before I get myself locked in a building by people I don't know.
0: Um, (laughs) Nothing
3: had nothing to do with you, it was more Richard Felix.
1: Hey, what about my buddy? Fingers
0: Felix.
3: Dickie Felix?
0: No, no, on the show, he was actually called Fingers. I don't want to know. Because things what? moved near. No, seriously, I shouldn't say this on air, but he used to be nicknamed Fingers Felix because things had a habit of moving nearby.
3: Did you have a nickname?
0: Yeah. I'm sure he did. the sure ass comes me. to mind? No. Imagine near. Carl
3: had one for him.
0: I'm sure I did, but I never learned it. Mm.
3: He was so, called Fred uh, Elliott by some people. Mm.
0: Kat, let me ask you this because we're running out of time. Okay. Uh,
1: there's a, a photograph, and I'm sure Steve showed it to you. Did, what was your opinion of that photograph that was taken after Spirit Quest last year?
3: Um, I don't recall seeing the picture, Ron.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I thought I, I'll
3: have to have a look and get back to you.
1: I thought I'll Steve to, shared I, everything with you, but well, I, I, so I, I, think, I guess he doesn't.
0: Well, it, it was a case of I hadn't directed it to the web to the newsletter. And, you know, if she didn't pick it up and see it, then I we I mean, we have our, we have separate lives. We do. Oh, and yeah, we'll have we'll have um, extra cheese with that one.
1: Yeah. And that, of course, is the doorbell for the Pizza of the Dead is here and uh, we're going to be going. So I want to uh, thank everybody on that end. The millions of people there at Heathrow Airport, or whatever it's called. And uh, yeah, she also tell Teller of Curious Tales, the amazing cat. <laughs> she has to be amazing to put up with him. And, of course, my partner, Steve. And I will be seeing you very shortly tomorrow.
3: Good luck, Ron.
0: Yeah, yeah thanks. Need... Weather, weather and storms permitting, we'll be your side of the pond tomorrow. Pond. So, until tomorrow, cheers. Okay, you. cheers tomorrow. Chin chin. Well,
1: so I'm going to talk by myself for the last minute, evidently. No, anyways, no
0: I, was, I was just doing the formal goodbyes, because nobody ever listens to the last two minutes of the show anyway. I mean, once the pizza with the dead bell goes, it's like, God, like whoosh. Okay. See you, so.
1: Anyways, time. I'm looking forward to seeing it tomorrow, and on Wednesday night show, uh, you guys will be here live. And uh, which yes, will be well more interesting because you'll be within arms red uh, length of me.
0: Yes, we will. Assuming that we get there on time. Oh, stop it. You're such a Debbie downer. <laughs> I'm not that. It's just today's flight was delayed because you've your crappy American weather.
1: No, no, no. It's not my crappy weather. It comes from Africa. Well, all the storms stop off the coast of Africa and then
0: they make their way up. So don't blame us. Well, we'll blame Trump. He did it. Yeah. That's me banned by Homeland Security again. And uh, TSA is standing by with the rubber gloves for Dylan. CC says there's been a a tremor in the force,
1: which means that Parsons will visit the U.S. There you go. Cool. So there's the tune. Good night and God bless everyone. Till next time.
0: See ya. Good night. God bless. See you all tomorrow.